0: UST from W1AW the American Radio Relay League ARRL the National Association for Amateur Radio in Newington Connecticut This is the ARRL Aries Audio e-letter for November 21st 2018 The ARRL Aries Audio e-letter is a voice version of the ARRL Aries e-letter which is compiled by Rick Palm K1CE in Daytona Beach Florida My audio script editor is Al Brown, KZ3AB, in Laurel, Maryland. And I'm Tony Riggs, W1FHN reporting from Lanham, Maryland. In this month's issue, we have for you Hurricane Michael, Northern Florida Aries Groups Begin to File After Action Reports. Hurricane Michael, American Red Cross Thanks Radio Amateurs. How to Send Email to a Disaster Area via WinLink. Southern New Jersey Aries team supports search for missing man. FEMA releases 2018 National Preparedness Report Driver Rescued thanks to alert Badger WeatherNet members. Ham Radio assists in rescue of a missing mariner. And K1CE for a final. HDSCS The End of an Era of Extraordinary Service. But before we get to the articles, here are some ARIES briefs. California Fires Responses. November thirteenth, 2018, from Rick Lindquist, WW1ME, at the ARRL News Desk. Amateur radio volunteers have been active on several fronts as wildfires raged in large sections of California. Campfire. In Butte County, Northern California, the campfire caused multiple shelters to be opened to evacuees. Five Sacramento Valley Ares groups were involved in communications support between the Red Cross Disaster Operations Center, or DOC, and the shelters. In addition to supporting the shelters, ARES members were also tasked by the Red Cross to shadow Red Cross delivery vehicles to provide communications in the mountain areas to the shelters. ARES voice, Winlink, and email were used to pass shelter counts and tactical messages between the shelter and the Red Cross Disaster Operations Center and the California Office of Emergency Services. The Red Cross supported Ares at the shelters with hotspots and backup radios. Working 12-hour shifts, Sacramento Valley Section District Emergency Coordinator 3, Michael Joseph, KK6GZB, staffed the Red Cross radio station as net control for the DOC. Mr. Joseph passed messages and tracked Ares personnel. Sacramento Ares members have been pitching in as needed. Mr. Joseph also has been coordinating Ares deployments as needed. Woolsey Fire The Woolsey Fire swept through the westernmost portion of Los Angeles County and the easternmost area of Ventura County in the ARRL Santa Barbara section. Los Angeles Section Manager Diana Feinberg, AI6DF, said governmental radio systems used by fire and sheriff held up Evacuees went to areas where cell phone service was generally available. Ms. Feinberg also said Los Angeles Aries, or Aries LAX, was not activated because no county hospitals were in the affected area and no hospital outside the fire zone was in danger of losing communication. A team of ARIES LAX operators, organized by LAX Northwest District Emergency Coordinator Ruzi Moabari W1EH, performed logistics work at a major drop-off site in the San Fernando Valley for evacuee supplies. On the air for the Woolsey Fire, both the Los Angeles County Disaster Communications Service, or DCS, Amateur Radio Volunteers, overseen by the Sheriff's Department, and the City of Los Angeles Fire Department Auxiliary Communications Service, or ACS, operated nets and monitored their respective frequencies. Ms. Feinberg added, The DCS Group at Lost Hills Sheriff Station covers most of the Los Angeles County areas affected by the Woolsey Fire and communicated with organized amateurs in the cities of Calabasas, Agoura Hills, Hidden Hills, Malibu, Westlake Village, and unincorporated mountain areas when not affected by respective mandatory evacuation orders. The City of Los Angeles ACS Group was involved when the city's West Hills neighborhood in the San Fernando Valley became the fire's northeastern front, forcing about half the West Hills community to evacuate. ACS members have also been involved with delivering food and water supplies to the Los Angeles Fire Department firefighters and performing fire patrols. American Red Cross volunteers are reported to be using amateur radio in connection with some of their fire response activities. And here is a November 19, 2018 update. Amateur radio repeaters and TV, that is, ATV, have helped to keep the broader community informed on the local status of widespread fires in Southern California. Benjamin Kuo, KI6YR, who had to evacuate but is now back home, said Remote Amateur Radio Emergency Data Network, or AREDN, mesh cameras, captured video from fires across Southern California earlier this month, including the early stages of the Woolsey Fire. ATV cameras also offered views of some of the state's less prominent fires, including the Briggs Fire in Santa Paula and the Peak Fire in Simi Valley. Other Aries briefs, November 8, 2018, maritime mobile service network operators assist vessel with ill crew member. Again, November 8, 2018, Oregon Aries drill scenario to simulate double virus and hypothetical terrorist attack. November 12, 2018, Eastern Massachusetts SEC Rob Macedo, KD1CY, receives Blue Hills Observatory Outstanding Service Award. We'll get to the news stories in just a few seconds, but now it's time to pause so that repeaters may identify. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is the ARRL Aries Audio e-letter for November 21st, 2018. Our first story is Hurricane Michael, Northern Florida Aries Groups Begin to File After Action Reports. Last month, Hurricane Michael slammed into Florida's panhandle, the most severe hurricane to ever hit the region. ARES groups across the entire state were either directly involved in disaster communications efforts or secondarily involved by providing support via numerous HF and VHF emergency disaster nets, various modes and organizations for those in the affected areas. After-action reports have begun to be drafted and filed with Section and ARIES leadership, The reports lend insight into operating conditions and challenges, and all-important lessons learned. Escambia County. On Tuesday, October 9th through Wednesday, October 10th, for almost 18 hours, Escambia County, at the western end of the Florida panhandle Aries, was activated for the County EOC Level 2 activation for Hurricane Michael operations. Assistant E.C. Joe McLemore, KF4DVF, reported that 21 amateur radio operators and stations were involved. That included 15 county ARES members and 6 non non-ARES personnel. The ARES room inside the EOC was staffed by 4 ARES members. Both open evacuation shelters were staffed by radio operators. The Escambia County Emergency Net as well as the local Ares net, was activated on 146.76 MHz VHF repeater. Several messages were sent via a tactical VHF local net and the HF statewide nets. The Northern Florida Ares net and the Northern Florida Emergency net on 3950 kHz were monitored in the Ares room at the EOC for the Red Cross and shelters the Be Ready Alliance Coordinating for Emergencies, or BRACE, Escambia County Fire Rescue, and Escambia County Emergency Communications. The Saturn Net was also monitored by Eugene Brannan, KB4HAH, per the request of the Salvation Army, coordinated through the ARRL Northern Florida Section Emergency Coordinator, Carl Martin, KG4HBN. Digital modes were also employed in various capacities, including APRS and WinLink. The operators monitored National Weather Service NWS-CHAT, and HuraVac, the storm tracking and decision support tool of the National Hurricane Program, administered by FEMA, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and the National Hurricane Center, was also used. The new ARIES Connect system was used to keep Escambia County ARIES members notified and to ask for assistance. The ARRL volunteer management, communications and reporting system allows information to be logged by ARIES members and managed through the field organization. Six emails were sent to Escambia County ARIES members via the ARES Connect system. Two Escambia County ARES members volunteered and were deployed to the Panama City disaster area to provide communications support. All told, ARIES time invested included an estimated 70.3 person hours for direct incident involvement and three hours for planning and documentation. Gilchrist County, east of the Big Bend region of Florida... Gilchrist County is a large rural agricultural county bordered on the north and west by the Santa Fe River and the famous Suwannee River, with a population of roughly 20,000. Gilchrist County E.C. John Greiner, KJ4YPZ, reported on pre-landfall actions taken Thursday, October 4th. The county 2-meter Aries net on the Bell repeater, 147.285 megahertz, was activated at 7.30 p.m. Amateurs were informed on the progress of the storm and of the nightly storm net to begin Monday, October 8th. By Sunday, October 7th, Michael was still a tropical storm. Information was posted by Mr. Greiner on the Dixie Amateur Radio Club web blog page and emailed to all radio operators and ARES members on the contact list. On Monday night, the nightly storm net began operations with briefings. Mr. Greiner tested and set up radios at the Gilcrest EOC and station NF4EC. Emergency management planned to go Level 2 activation on Tuesday afternoon, October 9th. By 2 p.m., Michael was a Category 2 hurricane and by 5 p.m. was upgraded to a Category 3. More information on hurricane nets and advisories, frequencies and schedules was passed. On Wednesday, October 10th, the storm made landfall near Mexico Beach as a devastating Category 4 storm. Gilchrist County areas monitored the situation at Level 3 activation through the passing of the storm. When the state EOC lost Tallahassee radar and the Internet, Mr. Greiner was able to provide the state EOC staff with timely information on the current location of the passing storm. In Gilchrist, three shelters, including one for special needs at the Bell High School, had been opened and three persons sought shelter. Post-storm recommendations. Mr. Greiner said repeaters, HF antennas, cell towers, and 911 took blows in the affected areas. He said there needs to be more reliance on and training with VHF FM Simplex and Mobile HF Antennas and Operation for resilience. A local area club has since initiated a Simplex net to begin November 20th. Mr. Greiner is encouraging his Ares members to improve their antennas for operation and participation on Simplex nets, he also said those that have the capability to go mobile with HF radio and antenna are encouraged to be prepared to use the systems after the storm's passing necessitates the lowering of fixed HF antennas and towers. This is the ARRL Ares Audio e-letter for November 21st, 2018. It's time once again to pause for a few seconds to allow repeaters to identify. Now we'll continue with more ARRL ARIES news. Hurricane Michael, American Red Cross, thanks radio amateurs. The American Red Cross communications manager for the Hurricane Michael response, David Morris, K4AW, sent the following letter to ARRL Northern Florida Section Emergency Coordinator Carl Martin, KG4HBN. He said, I wish to acknowledge and congratulate each of you and the many amateurs who manned the stations at the Red Cross shelters and district operations during Hurricane Michael. I hope you will pass along to your associates our heartfelt appreciation for this outstanding job. The professionalism and dedication by each operator was truly inspiring. I wish to give special recognition to Sal Martachi, K4YFW who was by my side throughout the first three weeks. He has become the voice of the American Red Cross in North Florida. Special thanks to Randy Pierce, AG4UU, whose vision and hard work in support of Florida's Sarnet demonstrated what a phenomenal emergency communication system we are so fortunate to have in our state. Mr. Morris continues, I would also like to thank Pat Lightcap, K4NRD, who tirelessly served as net control for more hours than one can imagine. Special recognition to Carl Martin, KG4HBN, who pulled the Ares team together and maintained a full staff at all locations throughout the entire critical period. Besides Sarnet, we were fortunate to have the North Florida Ares net on 80 meters run by Terry Webb, N0TW, and Paul Eakin, KJ4G. With the 80-meter net, we had virtually 100% coverage. Their team provided a much needed service day and night. Supporting this outstanding leadership team were a group of phenomenal amateur operators who are the unsung heroes spending countless hours in the field to help alleviate human suffering. On behalf of the American Red Cross, We hope you will give your team the recognition they rightly deserve and express our sincere appreciation. God bless each of you. Signed, David Morris, K4AW, the Communications Manager for the American Red Cross in Tallahassee, Florida. How to Send Email to a Disaster Area via WinLink. There is a common misconception that one has to have complicated equipment, software, and skills to leverage the ham radio-developed Windlink system to reach into disaster areas. In fact, one of the major advantages of the WinLink system is that it can easily connect disaster area-located volunteers who must use radio to make any connection with anyone else in the state, nation, or world. WinLink provides an easy way for back-home supporters, family, and friends to keep in touch with deployed volunteers. First, you have to know the correct email WinLink address of the disaster-located ham. It is simply their call sign at sign winlink.org. Second, because Winlink was built to handle slow-speed radio connections, receiving a load of spam would be catastrophic for throughput over a slow modem protocol. To avoid this, Winlink developers put in a white list. This is a list for each Winlink email user of who is allowed to send them email. While the WinLink user can simply add you to their email list, there's an even simpler way for support amateurs to bypass this, which will not be known by spammers. Just put slash slash WL2K at the beginning of your subject line. With those two critical components of the WinLink email message format, anyone with normal email can make needed communications to a deployed volunteer who is participating in the WinLink system. One caveat is that WinLink can't force email onto a volunteer who doesn't have their radio on or isn't connected into a WinLink server station. So it depends on periodic check-ins by the participant to check for, receive, and send email by radio. Thanks to Gordon Gibby, KX4Z of the North Florida Amateur Radio Club, for this advice. Southern New Jersey ARIES team supports search for missing man. On November 10, 2018, Ocean County, Southern New Jersey ARIES members assisted search groups in looking for a man who was reported missing from a local nursing home on November second. The man suffered from dementia. Searches have been ongoing and somewhat weather-dependent in neighborhoods around the nursing home. On Saturday, November 10th, a search was planned by the family of the missing man. Tim Tonneson, NJ2N, notified Bob Murdoch, WX2NJ, the Ocean County Aries Emergency Coordinator, that this search would be taking place in a wooded area. This was considered an emergency operation for Ocean County Aries, and a plan was put into place. Mr. Tonneson was instrumental in contacting the local authorities and working with the family and search teams to execute the search plan. Mr. Murdoch concentrated on the communications technical side and manpower. Notifications went out to all Ocean County Ares members. They coordinated the area to be searched with Stafford Township Police. Search volunteers and ARIES members met at 9 a.m. Saturday morning, November 10th, at the Ocean County Vocational School, and ARIES Operations established a net control station at a park two miles from the school, where commercial power, shelter, and restrooms were available. The ARIES mission was to coordinate communications between the search groups. There were 143 volunteers divided into three groups and nine Ocean County Ares radio operators. Each group had two radio operators. The groups then set out in the three designated search areas. Topo maps were used to plot out the search areas. When there was a private property or trespass issue, the request of the landowner and his permission were relayed by amateur radio and handled quickly. The search teams came back to the park by 1 p.m., as requested, with negative findings. ARIES members assisted with making sure all were accounted for. Operators were positioned to remind searchers to sign out at the rally point after leaving the search area. The coordination between ARES and local and state police was smooth and went well. Searchers and volunteers were made up of local citizens and volunteer fire and EMS personnel. All Ares operators wore Ares ID reflective vests and were easily visible to everyone. While the missing person was not found during this search effort, this was a good experience for all Ares operators. Mike Daly, KC2SBR, summed up the event by saying, Bottom line to me was it was real world, meaning all of the elements of the incident response got pulled together quickly and ad hoc. What I saw were volunteers thinking on their feet, adjusting on the fly to the fog that can creep into an event response, looking for where we could fill the gaps and add value as we went beyond just holding a radio. That experience to me was a highlight. No exercise plan I have ever been involved in, in the military or in emergency management and continuity of operations, ever runs as scripted in the real world. And it's that experience to roll with the punches and adjust as it happens that no book can teach. Thanks to Tom Prizer and to XW, the ARRL Southern New Jersey Section Emergency Coordinator, for this report. It's time once again to pause for a few seconds to allow repeaters to identify. This is the ARRL ARIES Audio e-letter for November 21, 2018. Now we'll continue with more ARRL ARIES news. FEMA releases 2018 National Preparedness Report. FEMA has released the 2018 National Preparedness Report. In its seventh year, this report summarizes the nation's progress toward becoming a more secure and resilient nation. The report highlights lessons learned from previous responses, along with findings from preparedness activities. The events and activities captured in the report allow responders and emergency managers throughout the nation To better understand capabilities, identify shortfalls, and build capacity in preparation for future large-scale and catastrophic incidents. The 2018 National Preparedness Report also identifies gains made in preparedness across the nation and identifies where challenges remain. These findings provide insights into preparedness and informs decisions about future program priorities, resource allocations, and community actions. The 2018 report considers select 2017 real-world incidents that tested the nation's capabilities, preparedness trends from state, tribal, and territory perspectives, and an overview of activities and investments to build and sustain capabilities, As a result, it provides in-depth evaluation of five core capabilities identified in previous reports as facing persistent preparedness challenges. They are Infrastructure Systems, Housing, Economic Recovery, Cybersecurity, and Operational Coordination. Driver Rescued Thanks to Alert Badger WeatherNet Members In Wisconsin, The Badger WeatherNet has as its purpose the reporting of ground truth weather data, specifically temperature and precipitation information. The following is a narrative of the emergency communications that took place during one early morning Badger WeatherNet. As I was serving as net control for the net Saturday morning, a weak and broken signal came in on the repeater system. It took a few calls to determine that a fellow ham was in the ditch with a trailer, sliding off the icy roads in Price County. He was requesting assistance of the Sheriff's Department. I called 911 and spoke with the friendly and helpful dispatcher at the Dunn County Sheriff's Department. She gave me the phone number of the Price County Sheriff's Department. I called the Price County Sheriff's office and got Bob Hoffman, KQ-9J, the dispatcher there. As a ham, he was aware of how I had become involved and was most helpful. After asking a few questions of the driver via a three-way conversation with me in the middle relaying, he dispatched a car to block traffic while the pickup and trailer were pulled out of the ditch and back onto the road. While there were no personal injuries in this incident, the driver was very cold, and his cell phone was useless because of the terrain. Amateur Radio and the Badger Weathernet were in the right place at the right time to be of assistance. That's what we hams do. Well, we're glad to hear that Amateur Radio helped out. Remember the ARRL slogan, when all else fails, there's Amateur Radio. Our thanks to Ron Purvis, WB9WKO, in Knapp, Wisconsin, for this report. Ham Radio assists in rescue of missing Mariner. It was Thursday night, and I was nodding in and out while watching TV. From the other room, I heard what sounded like a weak, scratchy signal trying to access the local repeater. I answered, This is Fred, NP2X, on St. Croix. The station trying to access the repeater, you are very noisy into the system. Please try it again. Then I heard, This is Tia, NP2RE. What follows is Larry's summary in his own words Jennifer and I traversed the various shorelines and beaches in the dark in search of the boater. The terrain became too rocky for Jennifer to continue, so she remained behind, perched on the rocks, providing floodlighting. As the rescue radio coverage was marginal, Jennifer and I kept in touch via our VHF amateur radios. When the lights of the rescue boat became visible in the bay, both Jennifer and I found we had unreliable communications with the boat. After finding the dinghy on the rocks, I continued traversing the rocky shoreline and found the boater huddled along the shore in a rocky crevice. The boater reported that his boat had hit a reef He was thrown from the dinghy. His position was an extremely treacherous spot, which the rescue boat could not reach. We were at the water's edge at the base of a tall seashore cliff. The boater had minor scratches, was cold and thirsty. I gave him a mylar blanket for warmth, and he gladly drank the water we brought. With no cell service and having difficulty with our VHF radio, the immediate need was to contact the rescue boat that we had located the missing person and plan his evacuation. Using our radios, Jennifer called our daughters Tia, NP2RE, and Skylar NP2QS, at our home and requested that they relay that we had located the missing person to the rescue boat. Tia and Schuyler immediately contacted other rescue members that passed along the message. The boater was not able to hike out as he was exhausted and without shoes. Jennifer hiked to the top of the hill to acquire some shoes from a resident to protect the patient's feet as we moved him from the sharp rocks. Due to the proximity of the reef and large waves, it was also not feasible to land the rescue boat on the beach. Another rescue member, Dylan Baird, arrived on the scene and managed to reach me. He had taken a four-wheeler to the site, hiked down the beach, and climbed the dangerous rocks to reach the boater's location. Dylan had the good idea to try using the dinghy to get our rescue subject to the rescue boat. In the dark, Dylan and I pulled the dinghy off the rocks, bailed enough water out of it to keep it afloat, and started the engine— Dylan made a break for the reef to get the boat further drained of water and to coordinate next steps with the rescue boat. As I stayed with the boater, Dylan reached the rescue boat and returned with Brian Grassy, another rescue member. We put a life jacket on the boater and together transported him to the rescue boat. Upon reaching the harbor, he was transported to the local clinic for treatment. We felt good about a number of things. Within approximately 30 minutes of locating the injured boater, he was transported to the rescue boat. Our daughters, aged 12 and 13, flawlessly executed the relay of critical information using their newly learned skills. Tia has been licensed for just two weeks and Skyler just five months the radio and rescue training our family received and practiced may well have saved a life. Thanks to Larry Pruss, NP2LP, and Fred Kleber, K9VV-NP2X, the ARRL-USVI Section Manager, for this report. And it's time once again to pause for station identification. This is the ARRL ARIES Audio e-letter for November twenty-first, 2018. And finally, we have K1CE for a final, HDSCS, the end of an era of extraordinary service. Rick Palm, K1CE, wrote For years at 5 a.m. on Sunday mornings, as I woke to go to work at the large Daytona Beach City Hospital where I work as an ICU RN, I would check my email. Like clockwork, there would be the weekly hospital disaster support communication system of Orange County, California, report from its dedicated founder and coordinator, April Moell, WA6 OPS. I was always amazed to read of the weekly work of the organization, its training, drills, certifications, awards, and, of course, mission-critical responses to areas' hospitals. Ms. Mowell wrote last month, Effective October 14th, the Hospital Disaster Support Communication System, or HDSCS, has been disbanded after 38 years of service to Orange County Medical Facilities. After dealing with significant medical issues the last several years, it has become unrealistic for me to continue as coordinator, and I have tendered my resignation to the section manager. HDSCS members have been unusually dedicated and resourceful, but no one has the requisite time or specific expertise to take on the role of coordinator, which means a succession plan has not been possible at this point, and there is no gradual way to discontinue a group such as this. The ARIES model has proven to be the most effective way to support hospitals, and it is hoped that at some point that can be continued. Ms. Morrell also said, I am not leaving amateur radio, so I hope I will still have the opportunity to interact with many of you at conventions or over the airwaves. ARRL Southwestern Division Director Dick Norton, NA6AA, said it best when he wrote to April, Thank you for your very long-term contribution to amateur radio and by it to public service. The Southwestern Division website shows you were given the Division Meritorious Service Award in 1992. Your dedication and leadership will be missed. Mr. Palm added, I would echo Mr. Norton's comments and simply add that April Moel, WA6 OPS, has represented the very best of the amateur community's values. And I will miss waking up early on Sunday mornings to find her thoughtful, comprehensive reports to start my long work shift. Best wishes for the future, April, from Rick, K1CE. And this concludes the ARRL Aries Audio e-letter for November 21, 2018. The ARRL Aries Audio e-letter is a monthly service of the American Radio Relay League. ARRL, the National Organization for Amateur Radio. The ARRL Ares Audio e-letter is an edited voice version of the ARRL Ares e-letter, compiled and written by Rick Palm, K1CE, in Daytona Beach, Florida. To learn more about Amateur Radio and the ARRL, or to get the latest in Amateur Radio News, you may click on www. You may also write us via snail mail at ARRL Headquarters, 225 Main Street, Newington, Connecticut, 06111. Or give us a toll-free call at 1-888-277-5289. We are always happy to help answer your questions, and you need not be an ARRL member. Our thanks to this month's contributors. My audio script editor is Al Brown, KZ3AB, in Laurel, Maryland. And I'm Tony Riggs, W1FHN, reporting from Lanham, Maryland. Copyright 2018 ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. All rights reserved. 73.